Hi there, I'm Maddie and I serve on the Joy Production team. Thank you so much for joining us online today. Through taking the time to listen to this message, we pray you'll not only come to know more about God, but you'll come to know more about yourself as well. Once again, thank you for joining us and we hope you enjoy today's message. We welcome you to Joy. Glad that you're here this morning. As you've already heard, as Pastor Don mentioned, we get to baptize uh, some folks. Actually, we, we uh, in the two services, we'll baptize a little, uh, right around 20 two right now. Uh, we did have one person that was like, got inspired during first service, said, you know what, I, I've never been baptized, been around here a long time, I need to get baptized. So uh, they came forward, and so who knows, uh, we, we, we have a sign up for baptism, but if you're here today and you're like, you know what, I just really want to, I just want to get baptized, we, we've got stuff, we're prepared for you as well. And uh, we've had a good time with that. We are in part four of a series that we're calling Breaking Free, and um, I've enjoyed it a lot. There's been some, this, I believe this, I believe that God's word is, well, it's powerful, obviously. The apostle Paul said that I'm not ashamed of the gospel of Christ because it is the power of God to everyone who believes, to the Jew as well as to the Gentiles, because therein is the righteousness of God revealed, right, standing with God. And, 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 and as we've been talking about breaking free, and it's not necessarily Perhaps like some of you might think with the, the subject of freedom into your life, which would, you know, some people it's like, you know, we're trying to overcome addictions to drugs or alcohol or pornography or whatever it might be. And, and, and while that's an element of it, I think there's a lot more subtle things that hold us back, that hold us in bondage. And so we've been talking about some of those things. And maybe I could have called this series, uh, you know, <laughs> The Middle. Because I think that's where we find ourselves a lot of times when it comes to followership of Christ. And we've been using the scripture in the book of John chapter 1 and uh, verse 42. And it says this, Andrew took Simon to Jesus. And when Jesus saw Simon, he said, you are, everybody say you are. And that's a reality for all of us. There is a you are in your life. And here, here Jesus was pointing this out. He said, you are Simon, the son of John. He said, that's your name and that's your position. That is, that is your standing, if you will. You have a natural father. You were born of parents and the, the home that you were brought up in and the experiences of your life have made you who you are. And so every single one of us, there is a you are that is a reality. You know who you are better than anybody else knows who you are except for your heavenly father. You are. And, and there are things that are in all of our lives that, you know what, we, we're kind of proud of, that, that we're happy about who we are, but there are other areas of our life that perhaps we're not so happy about who we are, and we kind of wish maybe we could have a do-over in life, or, or we could have a different result, a different, a different outcome. And so Jesus goes on here, Andrew again took Simon to Jesus. When Jesus saw Simon, he said, you are Simon, the son of John. But then Jesus stepped into his life and added this, your name will be. Everybody say, will be. be. Your name will be Cephas. The name Cephas means Peter or a rock. And so we've been talking about this difference between you are and you will be. And every single one of us has a you are in our lives. But then as we let Jesus step into our life. As we let Jesus become the Lord of our life, as we let Jesus experience and live his life through us, there is a you will be. Part of the reason that we exist as a church, we want to help you know God. Not just about God, not that he's out there, that God is love, which he is, but that you would become intimately aware and acquainted with your heavenly father. 
Jesus invites all of us to a new birth. And I, I think that part of what Jesus was referencing, you, you have a natural birth, Peter, that has made you who you are. But I'm offering a different destiny. I'm, I'm offering a different life today. And that's what Jesus does for us. Jesus steps into our life recognizing that there is a natural birth that we have, a natural experiences that we have. But then Jesus offers a second birth. Jesus told Nicodemus, a religious leader of the day in John chapter 3, he said, he said Nicodemus, you've got a birth. And, and because of that Jewish birth, that Abraham is your father. You depend upon that. But he said, that's not good enough. You need another birth, a second birth. You need to be born again. And so Jesus steps into our life recognizing who we are, but then as he recognizes who we are, he says, I've got something better for you. I've got a hope for you. I've got a future for you. I've got a destiny for you. I've got a life for you. And so as a church, we want to help you not just know God, but, but understand how you're wired and, and the destiny that God has for your life so that ultimately you can make a difference in your life and in the lives of maybe your family, your friends, people around you. And, and, and those things. And so we find ourselves living between you are and you will be. We know who we are. We know the stuff that we've done. And I hope you understand this morning that there's a glorious you will be for this life, not just when you get to heaven, but in this life. God wants to transform your life. As we've said a couple of times in this series, that the goal of the Christian life is not just to be a follower of Jesus. It is to become like him. It's to become like him, that we live out his life and his love, his nature, his power, his grace, and his mercy. And so as we've, as we've been doing this series, I've been trying to answer this question. What do you do? What do you do when what you know to be true comes in conflict with what you believe to be true? Because that's a frustrating place. I, I understand, man, I was raised in a church that, that you know, they love God and Jesus and people and all of those things. And I heard a lot about who you are. Didn't hear a lot about you will be other than heaven. And, and it was very frustrating to me uh, knowing that who I was and yet there was something more that God wanted for me, but I couldn't get there. And so part of what I'm trying to answer in this series is what do you do? Again, what do you do when what you know to be true conflicts with what you believe to be true? And so we've looked at some things over the last couple of weeks. We've, we've talked about our belief systems a little bit. There's things that operate in the background of our life that, that influence and affect our decision-making, our, our attitudes and our approach to other people. And the reason that all of this is important is that the gap that we experience between you are and you will be who we know to be true and who we believe to be true, that gap in between is the distance between freedom and bondage in your life. And, and, and there's areas of your life where the peace of God is concerned, the joy of the Lord is concerned, uh, you know, how we steward our time or our finances, all of those things are a part of God working in our life. And the distance between you are to you will be is the distance of freedom or bondage in our lives. And so to me, this is, as we sort of step into this, this last, and there's, there's a lot of things that we could, we could talk about. I, I want to look at a scripture because I think this is something that bothers a lot of people. In Psalms chapter 38 and verse 4, the Bible says this. My guilt overwhelms me. It's a burden that's too heavy to bear. Now, we're on a journey between you are and you will be. And one of the things that can take the life, the joy, and the fun 
out of that journey is trying to carry guilt and shame that we're not designed to carry. I don't know if you've ever thought about that or not. First of all, let me just try to say this. First of all, I would venture to guess that every single person in this room this morning at one time or another has been guilty. Amen? Amen? Nick, you didn't have to say that quite that loud. <laughs> you were making up for some others. <laughs> we've all, we've all, the Bible says we've all fallen short, right? We've, we've all fallen short of the glory of God. We, the wages of sin is death. I mean, we've all, we've all fallen short. We've all been guilty of something at some time or another. And yet here the psalmist is, is saying something. He said, my guilt is, it, it, it overwhelms me. My guilt overwhelms me, and it becomes a burden that's too heavy to bear. You are not designed to carry it. You're, you're not designed to, to live under the weight of that. And, and some of the things that happens in our life, most of the weight of the, the weight that comes with sin, either as a result of events from our past, the, the you are of our, of our past. And, and it doesn't have to be past like years ago. It could be past like hours ago or a day or two ago. We've all had those moments, things that we're not proud of, that, that we've either done or said, or we've had something done to us, and, and that becomes a weight to us. It becomes shame to us. It becomes guilt to us, and we're not designed to carry it. So it could be the past. It could be other people. Sometimes somebody has maybe done something or said something to us, and, it, and it has a, it's cut us to the core, and it affects us, and it becomes a weight that we carry around. Some are because of maybe what you've done or said or offended or been offended in some way. Some of you, perhaps, you're still trying to live up to a standard or an expectation that somebody else had of you, and, and you're, you're, still, you're still trying to get there. You're still trying to get approval. That person might not even, they might even be alive anymore, and we're still carrying that around. And so God offers something to us. And after a while, that, that guilt, we, we learned after a while just to, just to feel guilty. My, my, I love my mom, but she used to use this phrase all the time, shame on you. Shame on you. And, and after a while, just that, just the look. That's all she had to do is just look. And I, and I felt it. And the funny thing was, after a while, I just learned to, I just learned to be there. I felt it. I carried it. I didn't have to, but I did. And, and, and I don't ever want to disparage my mom, man. She prayed for me, and she's the reason I'm serving God today. And, and, and she just, you know, she's an awesome lady. I thank God for her. But in her frustration, can you believe her, a mom being frustrated with me? <laughs> what the heck? Amen. <laughs> my wife could, my wife right there, they say, I feel so shamed now. <laughs> uh, she, she has always wanted to get up here and talk about the other side. <laughs> she, she at times becomes some of the focal points of my messages. <laughs> but the problem is that that look brought that shame, that feeling again. It brought that back to me. And, 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 and the facts are you probably have done something wrong. We've, we all stand guilty at times. But the problem with the enemy does is he takes you've done something wrong and convinces us that we are wrong. We may be failed at something, but the enemy turns it so that we feel like we are a failure who can never amount to anything. And that's the problem with guilt. That's the problem with shame. That's the problem of those things that we allow access into our life. And if we don't know how to deal with those things, if we don't know how to break free from that, 
It will be something that will cause this journey between you are and you will be to be not fun at all. It's going to be dull and it's going to be drudgery. Guilt is, and theologically, I guess, if we would look at it that way, theologically, the price of sin has been paid for. Jesus paid the penalty. He paid the price. You don't have to carry that anymore because he paid the price for it. And in a way, our guilt and our shame that we feel, we're trying to pay for something through that that we aren't designed to pay for. We can't handle it. We don't have the, if we were talking in a financial transaction way, we don't have the capital to be able to do that. You know, I've heard people say this, and I'm getting a little bit off topic here, but I, it's still good. <laughs> I think it's helpful. I've heard people say, why would a loving God send people that he loves to hell? Anybody ever heard that? Can I tell you this morning, there's some good news. God doesn't send people to hell. You want to know what hell is designed for? Hell is designed to be a place that you go to pay for your sins. That's what hell is. Hell is where you go to pay the price, the penalty for your sin. But here's the deal. You can choose to go there and try to pay for it yourself, or you can accept what Jesus did for you in the cross of Christ. His blood paid the price. His blood was the satisfaction at the mercy seat so that you and I could stand forgiven and righteous in God's sight. Not because of us, but because of him. That's what faith is and that's what faith does. You can try to pay for it yourself or you can accept the paid in full that God through his son Jesus purchased and won for you. And the reason that this is important is because guilt and shame and the Things that are associated with that feeling, with that kind of a thing, it causes relationships with other people and ultimately our relationship with God to suffer. We don't have the closeness or the intimacy with God that we should. It's kind of like, like what happened in the Garden of Eden when Adam and Eve sinned and God showed up. What was it that they did? First of all, they started to blame and make excuses. Not that anybody in second service would do that, but that's what Adam and Eve did. God said to Adam, what is this thing you've done? He said, it wasn't me. It was the woman, God, that you gave me. It's her fault. Get the, get the. (laughs) And we are still learning that lesson today, thousands of years. It's not my fault. It's somebody else's fault. And that's what, that's what. That whole blame thing and excuse thing is that it gets the, it's designed to try to get the spotlight and the weight off of us onto somebody else or something else. And ultimately, as we know the story with Adam and Eve, ultimately they ran away from God. And it was their guilt and it was their shame that, that caused them to run away from God. And so I think that one of the most important things that a, a follower of Christ that is seeking to be transformed into the image of Christ can learn is understanding who we are in Christ I know who I was, but God declares who I am. And even though I was, God says there's an I am in my future, that I will become something, and that I'm on the way to that. Now, I have a pastor friend. He's, he's actually in heaven now. He, he passed away, but, but he was a starting quarterback for two years in, in, in his high school. So his junior and senior year, he was the starting quarterback. He dated the head cheerleader. Eventually, they got married. And... 
Um, and, and as the head cheerleader, she probably, you know, in all of her cheers, you know, first and 10, do it again. Probably said that hundreds of times. So they were married. They'd been married about 10 years. He's watching a football game. She's walking through the room and she hears the announcer say, it's a first and 10 at the 25. And, 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 uh, and she stopped and she looked at him and she said, what's a first and 10? <laughs> now, now, now he looked at her and he said, what? <laughs> you have, you said that. Literally hundreds of times over the course of leading cheers and being a cheerleader, you've said first and ten, do it again. She goes, I know, it was just a cheer that they taught me, but I have no idea what a first and ten is. Now, the same thing happens in church. We've learned the cheer. We've learned what to say, but we don't have the reality of what happened in our lives. We've learned to say, I'm saved, or I'm born again, or I'm a follower of Christ, or I've made Jesus the Lord of my life, but we really don't understand what that means. And on a Sunday, we're like, first and 10, do it again. I don't know what that is, but yay. And then we leave, and we're frustrated because we don't fully understand or embrace the idea of really what salvation is. We think that salvation was Jesus making a a, a nicer version that, that we're just trying to be a little bit better than we were before. And yet Jesus made a, he, he, well, let's read the scripture, 2 Corinthians chapter 5 and verse 17. Sorry, I'm kind of jumping here. But 2 Corinthians chapter 5 and verse 17 says this, Therefore, if anyone is in Christ, if you are in Christ, everybody say in Christ. in Christ. Now, a question you should probably have is how do I get there? The way that you get in Christ is by faith. It is a decision that you and you alone make. As I said, hell is not a place that God sends people to. Hell is the place that people go to to pay for their sins. But somebody else already paid the price. And if I believe that Jesus paid the price, if I believe that my debt was paid in full because of the blood of Christ, if I put my faith in that, if I lean upon that, That's getting in Christ. And if you've done that, there's a result that happens in your life. Therefore, if anyone is in Christ, he is a new creation. He's brand new. I'm going to use this illustration. I've used it before, but some of you haven't heard this. Others, it bears repeating. Several years ago now, right over here on Highway 10, there's a McDonald's store. And one day I was driving by it. There's a big sign out front, sorry for the inconvenience, closed for remodeling. And I thought, oh, McDonald's is going to remodel their store. Drove away, didn't think, or drove past it, didn't think anything about it. A week later, I drove by there again, and the store was gone. They had torn it down. They had taken every brick and block and window. I mean, they didn't go in and just repaint and maybe put in some new appliances. They took it all down. They destroyed it. They removed it. And they were in the process of rebuilding a new McDonald's where the old one was. And as I drove by and I saw that, I kind of chuckled. But it was like on the inside, the Spirit of God said, that's exactly what I did in the new birth. Jesus didn't come into your life and do a little remodeling. He didn't move some things around a little bit. He didn't put in some new appliances. He took what was in the way, what was offensive. He took that old nature and that life out of the way. He destroyed it, and he built a brand new one on the inside. And that's you today. So again, he says, if anyone is in Christ, he is a new creation. Old things, the old building, the old who you be is gone. He's dead. He's passed away, and behold, all things have become new. 
I've said this many, many times, but my goal in teaching and preaching is to help you understand something. You're free from who you be, and you're free to walk into who God has made you to be. And in that gap in between is a truth. You will always act like the person you believe yourself to be. You will always act like the person you believe you're. If you identify more with who you were, it will be difficult for you to become who God says you are. But the more you can exchange who you were for who God says you are, not just on a Sunday, but every day. When you're, you see, you're free to make choices every day of your life. You make choices every day of your life. The problem with the choice is the choice doesn't say a choice. You keep making the same choice over and over. Eventually, that choice becomes a habit. It's no longer a choice. It's, a ha- it's something habitual that I'm, I'm now doing. I respond that way. And after a while, it, that habit is automatic. And it becomes our identity, who we become. Instead of just getting angry, we are an angry person. Instead of just being maybe bitter about something, we're known as a bitter person. But by making new choices to identify with, to embrace who God made us, we can form new habits that become our identity, become automatic in our life. And rather than our words being used to curse God and be upset and angry with people, we can use our words and our, 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 our flesh to, to worship our God, to, to shout praises to his name. We can, we, can, we can change that language. I'm not saying it's easy. I'm saying it's possible. And it's something that we should all strive for. And so in this, in between who you are and who you will be, I think one of the biggest keys, if you will, and one of the things that can, can help you the most is we can realize that our sins are forgiven, first and ten, do it again. We can realize that God loves us, first and ten, do it again. But deep down sometimes in, in, the, in the inside of us, we're kind of like looking over our shoulder. We're thinking maybe God is keeping score or, or, or we maybe feel like, yeah, there's maybe one or two things I'm not quite so sure that he's forgiven me for. In Romans chapter 6 and verse 6, it says this. We know that what we used to be, that's the you are. We know that what you used to be was nailed to the cross with him. That was the old, who you be, who, who, who we remember. That old one was crucified with Christ. That happened so that our bodies that were ruled by sin would lose their power. So we are no longer slaves to sin. That's the you will be. I was, was crucified so that I can live towards the you will be. See, a lot of the church world, we come in and we're asking, how can I get free from this and the guilt from the past and all of the things that went on and my shame and my fear and how, how, can, I get, how can I get rid of that? We need to realize something. We need to realize that when we made Jesus the Lord of our life, when we were born again, became a new creation in Christ, something died. Something died. In Galatians chapter 2 and verse 20, it says this, I have been crucified with Christ. In the eyes of justice, in the eyes of God, he did the most merciful thing that he could do for you and me. Again, he didn't just make you kinder and nicer. He killed you. That sounds weird, but he did. He killed you. Put you to death. I was crucified with Christ, and I myself no longer live. 
but Christ lives in me. I'm dead, but I'm alive. <laughs> but I'm not, and that's kind of what he's saying. He goes on here and he says, Christ lives in me, and the real life I now have within this body, right now today, is a result of my trusting in the Son of God who loved me and gave himself for me. Jesus died on the cross. And when he died in the eyes of justice, in the eyes of God, God saw you dead. And then Jesus was removed from the cross and he was buried. And the Apostle Paul later says that we were buried with him. And then God raised Jesus up from the dead. And the Apostle Paul echoes that. It says when he was raised up, we were raised up with him. In fact, Jesus was seated at the right hand of God, is seated at the right hand of God. And the Bible says that we are seated with him in heavenly places in Christ Jesus. We have a legal standing, a right standing with God because of what Jesus did. And I know that this is some of the heavy lifting, if you will, some of the maybe a little bit deeper topics and thoughts of, of Christianity, but it's powerful when we understand that God has already declared us right with him, not because of me, because I know me, <laughs> but I need to get to know Jesus in me and what he's done. I'm going to ask the band to come back. We're going to do our baptism service here in just a moment. I, I asked them to, to, to help us with that song one more time, the, uh, uh, the Gone song, I call it. And uh, I heard that song a couple of weeks ago. I went to Pastor Dom. I said, Pastor Dom, we need to do this song during the series. And, and uh, we, we decided to do it during baptism. No, it's a, a newer song for, for most of you this morning. But I want it to be a declaration for us this morning. And uh, we'll also be getting our baptist baptismal ready and things like that. But let me finish with this verse in Romans chapter 6 and verse 4. Uh, it says this, your old sin-loving nature was buried with him by baptism when he died. And when God the Father with glorious power brought him back to life again, you were given this wonderful new life to enjoy. For you've become a part of him. And so you died with him, so to speak, when he died. And now you share his new life and shall rise as he did. Church, you need to be convinced that there's something inside of you. Actually, in a sense, someone. It's the Spirit of God. And we need to learn, as one person said, to become God inside minded. A lot of times, like we said last week, you know, the temptation for Jesus was to turn stones into bread, to make the stone something that it wasn't designed to be. And we're looking out there a lot of times. We're looking to other people to be something that, almost like a stone, but Jesus says, let me be your strength. Let me be your confidence. Let me be your peace. And we're looking out there for peace. We're looking out there for confidence. We're looking out there for boldness. And God has says, if you look on the inside, that's where the life is. That's where the life is. And so this morning, we've got some folks that have made Jesus the Lord of their life, and what we are doing today is a reenactment, if you will. It is a reenactment of what Jesus did on Calvary's cross, that when, we, when he died, we died with him, and when he was buried, we were buried with him, and when he was raised to newness of life, so we too are raised to newness of life. Amen. I'm going to ask you to stand this morning. Pastor Don, would you please lead us in, in, in that song? Clap our hands.
to shed your blood So I'm gonna live like my shame is gone Won't be shackled to the way I was So I'm gonna live like my chains are gone Shout like the battle's won Fall back, devil, cause your time is up So I'm gonna live like the stone is gone, gone Now my sin is dead and gone And I sing hallelujah It's done, 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 say First today we have Bill. Bill, Kapala. come on in. <clears throat> Amen. Praise the Lord. Amen. Praise God. 
<laughs> so long with, oh, that was good. That's the old man. That's the old things coming out. <laughs> exactly. Amen. Well, you've made Jesus the Lord of your life? Yes, I have. Anything that you'd like to talk or say about anything that's brought you to this point, decision? Well, uh, I walked away from the Father years ago, probably 40-some-odd years ago. And, um, so ten like years when you were ago, three or four? About ten. <laughs> but uh, I came back about ten years ago, and uh, I felt it was just time to get baptized now, and... Uh, I remember getting, I don't remember it, but I got dedicated when I was a young child. And, but I believed in, I, I took what fit me and threw away the rest. And, um, you know, that just didn't work. I lived a life of addiction and chaos. And, you know, I just gave it all up 10 years ago now. And I, I believe that the promises do come true. Amen. And, um, Amen. 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 Well, you've made Jesus the Lord of your life, so on your profession of faith, I baptize you in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Amen. Praise God. Amen. Getting water dirt on me. Grave dirt. <laughs> Praise Up next the Lord. is Rose Pope. And... Uh, <clears throat> I, did, I forgot to mention, but if, uh, if you're seated out there and you've never been baptized in water and you're a believer in Jesus and you would like to, we have extra towels and stuff and uh, we can kind of help you out. If you'd want to get baptized, we'd love to do that. Amen. Praise the Lord. You've made Jesus the Lord of your life? Yes, I have. Is there anything you would like to share this morning? For me, this has really been a process of let it, letting things go and laying things down, and today is just the right time for me. Amen. Amen. Praise the Lord. Next big step. You've made Jesus the Lord of my life. It's my pleasure to baptize you in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit. Amen. Praise God. Hallelujah. Up next is Deontay Stevens. isn't it? <laughs> Praise God. You've made Jesus the Lord of your life? Yes. Is there anything you'd like to share with the congregation this morning that maybe brings you to this point today? Amen. 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 If it is finished. So be it. Amen. Amen. Well, it is my pleasure to baptize you in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Amen. Amen. Praise God. Hallelujah. Up next is Deshaya Bramlett. Deshaya, you've made Jesus the Lord of your life? Yes. Can you scoot up just a little bit? Thank you. 
Anything you want to say this morning? Are you good? You're good? You're good. All right. Well, you've made Jesus the Lord of your life. It's my pleasure to baptize you today in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Amen. Amen. Praise God. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Praise God is good. Amen. Hallelujah. Next we have Janice Stanford. <laughs> I appreciate so much each one of these that have taken this step to be baptized in water. It's a, it's a little bit of a humbling thing. <laughs> and it's also a nerve-wracking thing. <laughs> Praise God. You're doing wonderful. You've made Jesus the Lord of your life? I have. Is there anything you'd like to share this morning, what God's done? Yeah, I just, um, I want um, Jesus to be manifested in my life. Amen. I really do, and I mean that from Amen. the bottom of my heart. Amen. Praise God. Well, this is, this is one of the processes, a step. It's a reenactment of what, uh, what God has done for you. The old is gone. There's new life for you. Jesus. Amen. Well, you've made Jesus the Lord of your life, and so it's my pleasure to baptize you in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Oh, let's, oh, 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 don't fight me. We got to bury the whole thing. We got to do that again. All right, here we go. One more time. We'll go all the way up. There. Oh, she's floating. <laughs> Praise the Lord. That's all right. That's all right. It's good. <laughs> she said she's slippery. <laughs> oh, hallelujah. That's awesome. <laughs> Praise God. We do have more water. We have stuff. Up Maybe next is Gregory Mackinans. Sounds like you've uh, brought your own cheering party here. Nothing but the best for you guys. <laughs> Slide up just a little bit there. There we go. Thanks, God. Well, you've made Jesus the Lord of your life. I sure have. And uh, anything you'd like to share about what brings you to this point of decision this morning? Well, I've just recently come to really know God. And my life has been really blessed ever since. I've been, become very happy with life. And I'm just happy to be here. Amen. Amen. Well, we're glad you're here. Praise God. Amen. Well, you've made Jesus the Lord of your life. Yes, I have. So I get to baptize you. Go ahead and plug your nose, remember? <laughs> Grab your other hand. There. Oh, give me a handle to hang on. There we go. There we go. All right. This whole burial thing is hard, isn't it? <laughs> well, it's my pleasure to baptize you in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Amen. Amen. Yeah. Praise God. Anyone else this morning? We got Felicia Sparkman. Hallelujah.
You've made Jesus the Lord of your life. Yes, sir. Anything you would like to share with us this morning about that? Yes, I, uh, I moved up here uh, from domestic violence, and I also was fighting the state of uh, Chicago, Illinois, for my kids. And the devil was attacking me because uh, I've been clean from heroin for uh, a year. And <laughs> <laughs> And, um, Praise God. And I've been, uh, you know, homeless. I didn't bring the kids with me. I couldn't because I was fighting the state. And uh, I've been homeless, and it's been a, like a battle. And um, I, I stumbled a couple of times, I'm not going to lie, because it was hard, you know. And uh, I finally uh, won custody, you know. And um, it's a process before they can actually move in the house with me. But just hearing that word won was enough for me, and it was like, the devil wanted me to give up so many times, and I come from, um, a, well, it's a small place, but it's known, Cabrini Green Projects, and I didn't believe in the devil, you know? I didn't. We, You know, I had a traumatic childhood, and I was in a laundromat, and um, it was a lady. She was doing her laundry, and um, she said something about the church, and I came, you mm. know? And, Amen. Praise yeah. God. And you made Jesus the Lord of your life. Yes, I have. Praise God. Well, I think there's good things in store for you as you continue to walk with him and let him let him be a part of your life and letting other people be a part of your life. And That's I an awesome, thank awesome God thing. For her too. Amen. Amen. <laughs> Amen. Praise God for dirty clothes. You just never know what's gonna happen. <laughs> she said you have a lot of jokes up here, don't you? True that. <laughs> Well, you've made Jesus the Lord of your life. Yes, sir. All right. It's my pleasure to baptize you. Go ahead and plug your nose and grab your hand. My pleasure to baptize you in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Amen. Oh, amen. amen. Yeah. Praise God. Amen. amen. Hallelujah. Anyone else going once, twice? Thrice, praise God. Well, Joy Christian Center, thank you. Thank you for celebrating each one of these and what God is doing in their lives. Continue to keep them in prayer. Let's just keep believing God that, that we will continue to live out who God has made us to be in central Minnesota. Amen.